The war between Israel and Hamas is another chapter in what Pope Francis calls World War III, these seemingly separate conflicts but with a lot in common. And just as it ignited, the Pope was leading more than 400 delegates in his landmark synod to quite possibly reshape power inside the Catholic Church. But it's not just the war that overshadowed the Synod. There was a major papal statement on climate change and a controversy over same-sex blessings. Christopher White is Rome correspondent for the independent newspaper, The National Catholic Reporter. Christopher, uh, welcome. First of all, what did Francis say about the Israel-Hamas war? At Sunday Angelus, it was the first thing the Pope spoke about, and he said... Every war is a defeat, and he called for an end of both war and terrorism. So I think this is this was the Pope's message to both sides here, to stop the terrorism, but also not to escalate this. He really called for a laying down of arms and for people to come to negotiation and a peace. It's something that burdens him greatly, that not only do we have the war in Ukraine happening right now, but we have this new conflict bubbling up in the Middle East. This is a Pope of peace, and these, are, these concerns really top his agenda at the moment. This Pope is quite invested in the Middle East peace process, if there is indeed a peace process, isn't there? Because he went to Israel and Palestine, so I think he's got a big part of his heart in this. I think that's fair to say. The Vatican remains one of the major proponents of a two-state solution. I think in recent years we've seen a number of people begin to give up hope of that possibility, But very recently, we heard Archbishop Gallagher, the Vatican's foreign minister, really double down and reiterate this. We saw him just last month at the United Nations General Assembly in New York really talk about the need for peace in the Holy Land. And this was, of course, the most recent conflicts of just the past few days here. Peace in the Holy Land is something that has long been a top priority for the Vatican and no more so than in recent days. And at this synod, is not the cardinal from uh, Jerusalem uh, present? Yes. Just last weekend, a week ago, Pope Francis elevated Jerusalem's patriarch, Cardinal Pizzaballa, to the College of Cardinals in order, I think, to raise his profile and to acknowledge the work that he's done in a very difficult backyard, trying to maintain peace with difficult neighbours. Just after our last program, the Pope released his statement on the environment, Laudate Diem, praise God. Not a lot of praise uh, for governments and multinational corporations in this statement, is there, Christopher? No, this was a letter that I guess it's in terms of papal documents was quite short. It was just 10 or 11 pages. But the overall forecast and tone was bleak. And it was a particularly scientific document, the Pope really taking on climate deniers, both in the world and the church in particular, and saying governments haven't done their job. We've had mixed results with these international summits trying to tackle climate change. And he said, I wrote on this eight years ago, and I'm writing again because the situation has further deteriorated. And with a particular eye on this upcoming meeting at the end of November and December in Dubai called COP28, which is the next big UN summit on climate. This is the Pope, I think, really saying this is an issue that I've invested in strongly over the course of my pontificate. And the world continues to go down a path that is unsustainable. 
I think that's why we saw this tone of frustration and really the Pope wagging the finger at those that have failed to do their duty to reduce carbon emissions and really work together to, in his words, build a common home and a common future that is sustainable. Yeah, I was not surprised at all by the comments that he directed at multinational corporations. I was a little bit surprised at the stridency of his remarks directed at people within his own church. Who's he talking about there, Christopher? I am an American reporter, and I think he's speaking primarily to people in my home country there. When the Pope first wrote on climate in 2015, his famous encyclical, Adato Si, the hotbed of resistance to that encyclical really came from American Catholics. I think it's important to go back to those days early on in his pontificate in 2014, 2015, when the Pope said he was going to write on the environment. We saw American conservative Catholics organize a big conference at the Vatican, pushing back, and that was all sort of organized by climate deniers. We saw a number of Catholic politicians saying, listen to the Pope when it comes to matters of faith and morals, but he's no scientist. They said that very publicly, and I think that's something that stuck with Pope Francis. Just before the Synod began, there was a papal statement on same-sex blessings. There's always a lot of second-guessing about what the Pope really means. But what did he actually say about same-sex blessings? Well, I think the context of this is critical. On the eve of the Synod, just two days before it began, five retired traditionalist-type cardinals published what they described as correspondence that they had had with the Pope where they had put to him five specific questions on a number of hot-button issues, but specifically on the question of gay blessings and women's ordination. And they wanted yes or no answers. Can the church support gay blessings, yes or no? And the Pope did not deliver gay blessings, an answer to the question of gay blessings, in a yes or no manner. Instead, he wrote several pages on this. And he said, one, the church cannot do anything that would appear to cause confusion or water down its teachings on what it has long taught to be traditional marriage between a man and a woman open to children. But he said people search out blessings for all sorts of reasons, and our job as pastors is to encourage people in their search for God. And he said we can't just be rule makers and judges. And so this was the Pope signaling an openness to this, and he effectively said, I don't think we need blanket solutions to this or or liturgical templates like we've seen, I think, in places like Belgium or Germany, where they are actually issuing guidelines on how to offer same-sex blessings. But what we do see in this document is the Pope basically giving the freedom to priests to discern very carefully how and when might be an appropriate time to provide a blessing, in this case, to same-sex couples. Yes, so no change to doctrine on marriage or sexuality. But I guess, is this a concession to what Catholics are telling the Pope is already happening at grassroots, especially in Europe? The Pope is fairly pragmatic, and he sees that these things are happening in certain locations. So I think he's trying to, one, offer some fairly clear guidelines of where the church stands. One very clear signal in the Pope that the church isn't going to change its position on what marriage means and is. But also, as Francis often does, he's searching for a pastoral solution, how to show people that God is present in their lives, even in circumstances when the church might not describe to be ideal. So I think that is why you see the Pope signaling 
a willingness to consider this question. I mean, in the United States, for example, where I come from, priests bless cars all the time. They bless hunting rifles. And so <laughs> the question of blessings is a very broad category. <laughs> Indeed. We've been talking for quite a while now, and we haven't raised the issue of the Synod, the Synod on Synodality. How much do we actually know about what's happened in the first few days of that Synod? Because just reading your reports, didn't the Pope tell people, tell delegates, I want you to go on a fast, as it were, from appearing in the media? So do we know what's been happening That's right. On the very first afternoon of their meeting, the Pope said, consider this effectively a retreat and fast for media. And he did so, I think, because he wants for no individual to really become a newsmaker or a protagonist in this month-long meeting on the future of the Catholic Church. Christopher White, he's the very well-informed Vatican correspondent for the independent newspaper, The National Catholic Reporter. Thanks for coming back to the program. Andrew, always a pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you in person in just a few weeks. And yes, Christopher is doing a speaking tour in November. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.